0: podcast dedicated to addressing social determinants of health for some of our nation's most vulnerable patients. Join us each month as we meet with healthcare leaders to discuss what care teams, communities, and government agencies are doing to better support individuals with unique care needs. Welcome everyone to this month's edition of Caring as Communities. I'm Dr. Enrique Guideros, and this month we're going to be discussing the issue of multidisciplinary teams. High resource utilization patients are touching multiple resources within any given community across our country every day, be it hospitals, emergency departments, primary care clinics, jail systems, law enforcement, EMS, substance disorder treatment centers, mental health facilities, therapeutic courts, housing authorities, sobering centers. Those are just some of the entities who are engaging with common clients every single day, and all of them are doing great work with wonderful and well-trained individuals dedicating significant time and effort towards a common goal, the better care of our common client. But in most communities across the country, these efforts are occurring in silos. This results in significant problems. Not only are the various resources often not aware of the great efforts that each one of them are doing, which results in massive replication of efforts, but even worse, our clients then typically have multiple individuals reaching out to them with typically mixed messages, which quickly results in erosion of the little faith they may have in the healthcare system that all too often has already failed to address their needs. In a handful of communities across the country, there is strong work being put into bringing the various resources together towards common action with significant healthcare improvements and dramatic healthcare cost savings, One of such communities is the Matsu Borough of Alaska, just north of Anchorage. And today I've got, we have the privilege of interviewing Mr. Ray Michelson, Program Manager for the Matsu Health Foundation. Ray was instrumental in bringing the Matsu MDT to life. And over the next 30, 40 minutes, we're gonna dialogue with Ray about how the Matsu MDT was formed, what it does today, and where it's going. Ray, welcome to Caring as Communities.
1: Thank you, Dr. Enrique. I, I really appreciate the uh, the invitation uh, to speak. Uh, it's it's a hugely important topic, and it's really close to to my work here at the Matsu Health Foundation. And by way of kind of experience and education, um, I worked in Matsu for you know a couple of decades, primarily in the juvenile justice system, uh, where I worked on a lot of uh, programming for kids that were incarcerated or kids that were out in the community under court-ordered supervision and really trying to get them connected to meaningful services and as you mentioned kind of the siloed approach I think that any any case manager would uh, would tell you that the navigation of those silos is not an easy thing uh, to accomplish um, so I when I left the juvenile justice uh, line of work, um, I really, I, I transferred over to the Health Foundation for really a brand new position in, with the uh, called the program officer position for the Healthy Minds focus area. And really it's all about behavioral health. And I was really fortunate to join the Health Foundation at a time where some pretty heavy research had just been completed about where behavioral health patients Get behavioral health in the Matsu borough. The Matsu borough is populated by about 110,000 people. It's fairly rural. It's kind of urban. It's got two city centers. We have two uh, uh, Native tribes. We have three police departments. We have one hospital. We have 47 schools. We have an uh, emergency medical services. We have numerous different fire departments a lot of the first responder kind of group or workforce uh, we have present in, uh, in our community. And as, as I transferred over, I, I, I took a look at the data and the research that had just been completed. And we discovered through that research that a lot of the behavioral health was being delivered by first responders were not necessarily trained, of course, to identify behavioral health issues with people in the field and certainly were not equipped to um, interact appropriately and positively with people with mental health problems and substance use disorder. And lastly, they were not able to connect people meaningfully to services in the community. Um, so We formed a crisis intervention team coalition and CIT International is a fairly large organization that has a a very active uh, membership on the West Coast uh, of the United States and throughout the rest of the United States as well. But we formed a, a coalition of first responders to really address some of the lack of training that our first responders had so at least initially, we could positively engage with our, our, our first responder workforce with those folks that were experiencing behavioral health problems, and then get them referred to to help. So in uh, in doing that, it really it didn't you know it wasn't any magic on my part um, at all. I think what's what was really important to us was that we had a number of what I would call champions. That, were, that read the research, They read the recommendations, they studied up on the crisis intervention coalition um, and, the, and the academy training. They went to the training, they got training, they came back and said, we need to form a close knit coalition and really start communicating among the first responders, but also between the first responder group and all of the services that are present in the community.
0: That's interesting, Ray. So is that is that fair to think that that CIT might have been kind of that first uh, break in the door, if you would, to say well, maybe we should collaborate?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, I, I certainly would agree with that. Um, you had you had a lot of people who had history with each other over the years. And you had people that were new at their jobs and new to the community and really kind of fresh ideas, kind of, hey, let's move forward, do this. And then you got some that just simply sat at the table and didn't really say much because they weren't really sure where all of this was going. But as I would observe the coalition meet monthly, I would oftentimes see the medical director of the uh, emergency department at the hospital lean across the table and talk to the captain of the Alaska State Troopers. And they would talk sometimes about the process for getting somebody to the emergency department who is intoxicated. They would oftentimes talk about the paperwork staff who's involved in that. And after I observed that for a couple of months, I, I cornered both of them at the end, end of one of the meetings. And I said, have you ever thought about forming a time during the week that you could exclusively talk about the things that you're talking about? Don't not just before and after the meeting, but scheduling scheduling a time for doing that. And I just referred to it as as, as an MDT, a multidisciplinary team, which is a pretty common acronym, especially in the healthcare field. Um, So we called it an MDT and I could not keep up with the progress that the head of the emergency department, the the medical director, and the the, uh, captain of the Alaska State Troopers, I could not keep up with them on this idea as they took it forward. I love it.
0: Yeah, go ahead. So it sounded like it came out of a law, almost like a law enforcement
1: ED relationship that then expanded out, huh? Yeah, uh, pretty interesting that law enforcement and the emergency medical industry kind of started it, but it's interesting how quickly law enforcement then exited the MDT. So. As we, as we built the multiple multidisciplinary team, we were very careful not to just open it. And we didn't want it to be you know, an exclusive kind of approach, but I think that if you're going to ask people to dedicate their time, you're going to want people that are really vested in, in this kind of work. So we had uh, uh, originally uh, members of the police departments, um, the emergency medical services, we had um, We had some case management agencies, Uh, one's called Daybreak, the other one was called um, um, the Care Coordination of Alaska. Then we also had the Therapeutic Court Director in those meetings, our um, uh, Administrative Services Organization, or ASO, for our Medicaid Behavioral Health uh, billing was also on our MDT as, as well. And then, well, can I stop you there for a second, Ray? So now I have the
0: blessing of knowing you and having worked with you and know you're outside the box thinking, but I just want to go back in time. I think we're talking about 2015, 2016, and you're, you're starting to see this vision of patients that are being touched by common community resources, right? Starting with law enforcement and then you're, you're starting to bring other people you think are touching is that kind of how your vision started of all like where did because there's no templates for a lot of this stuff at the time how did you start envisioning who needs to be involved and
1: well i did kind of uh, envision that uh, kind of that membership list that you're referring to i wanted places that were uh, service provision that was easy to access so Matsu Health Services is a federally qualified health center, FQHC. So they have a sliding fee scale. They've got a variety of dental, medical, behavioral health, and a lot of array of other services that they provide. So it's a, it's a community center. So they would be a real likely member because they could offer services to just about anybody, whether it would be behavioral health or, or physical health. But then there would the, you
0: invite them in, would you identify that the patients are already involved with them or would you proactively invite them in at that point
1: I invited them uh, I invited them in into to membership of, of the MDT not knowing whether or not any of their clients were going to be the ones that the police were interacting with Wow I had a pretty good wow. pretty good idea that they probably were but but just how many I don't know one of the other criterias I considered were um the case management agencies, they know a lot of people. Case the case when you do case management for a severely mentally ill individual, you're going to know a lot of people, a lot of clients, and you're also going to know a lot of the services that they're involved in that case management manages, so to speak. So we have kind of got that, we've kind of got that um that membership that the more you knew people and worked in the community, the more likely you were to recognize the names of people that were going to be cycling through the first responder contacts. And then um, it was really important to have the therapeutic courts because we have a lot of people who are cycling in and out of the court system. Background checks, criminal criminal checks could be done by that person, and they could really add um, a lot of the Department of Corrections or adult probation side. That if we had somebody at the MDT and then they had a probation officer, we could then invite some of those folks in and we would get that through the therapeutic court um, uh, presence. And then the emergency room personnel were obviously um, really important. And then during that time frame, we were building the MDT. The third floor of the hospital was completed and we established a 16 or they established rather a 16 bed bed. um, diagnosis, evaluation, and treatment center. So it's uh, it's a psychiatric center, uh, oh, mental wow. health cases. So nice. we were able then to get the director of the program in, on in the MDT as well. I did mention that law enforcement joined at first, and then took themselves out. And the reason for that, and this was kind of a, we, we thought it was a little bit of a snag at first, but it, it really turned out to be what they didn't want to do was to listen to all of these cases and then see something they had to investigate or had to act on. So they thought it would be better for them to do their work in the field and let the providers then form this MDT and then figure out kind of how uh, those cases would be handled and referred and monitored after that.
0: Yeah. I was meaning to ask you. So, so the early days, as you're forming this now, you understand your community. You've lived there. You, you knew the resources, but there must've been times where, were or were there times that you would miss? You would invite an, a resource that you thought needed to be there that perhaps didn't need to, or maybe not didn't need to, but but they didn't feel it was a good use of their time or you didn't feel. How did you identify the hits and the misses?
1: Yeah, those uh, hits and misses kind of, uh, well, let me, let me start by saying there was no incentive, necessarily, to attend the MDT meeting for two hours every month. The only, I had to invite people kind of based on, you know, they're wanting to sit at the Crisis Intervention Team Coalition table. So they had some community interest there, That I'm asking for another two hours out of their month to sit at this table, To uh, bring a difficult case to talk about, or to offer their education and expertise um, on a difficult case, and really essentially doing more of the providing the networking that goes on between agencies that is not really case specific, Um, and it wasn't really meant to try to cut corners to get people in quickly, because then you have kind of your access is not as equitable, you know, for people accessing services. So we really wanted to make sure. Um, it's really helped us look at how the system works and how the system is, of course, based on how it's paid for. And to this day, you know, four years later, we are not paying anybody to join the MDT. Wow. They're they're offering their professional time for that. And sometimes these are clinicians who are not who are not billing for that hour, obviously.
0: Yeah. Um, and so that, was, I, that is marvelous because I imagine early on, You've you've got this concept that's new to a lot of people in the community. You've got to demonstrate value to make it worth their time. And is it fair to think that the value comes from the synergy? How do you demonstrate that synergism? How did the team de- demonstrate that synergism that 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 demonstrated to the resources? Yeah, I should send someone for two three hours a month, and and maybe you have assignments that ha- they have to do in the interim as well.
1: Right? Yeah. Um- I guess what you look for are people that keep coming back. You do. You keep, you keep and, and people that might sit through an MDT meeting and say, hey, I recognize that name. I think that we used to serve him two or three years ago, but we haven't seen him since. And then whoever brought the case to that MDT might say, would you reconsider and see him again if we got him referred back to you? Since you have his history, you've got his medication management history, you've got all of this on on this person. And then for those two entities then to go away from the MDT and then connect with each other. Mm. And I think once that, that connection was happening, they were seeing that they could help to um, manage some of these clients back into services Mm. and whether the services take place somewhere else or whether they go back to the original provider, it really didn't seem to matter, but people were, and then as, As subsequent MDT meetings are held then throughout the months, then there would be updates on cases that we heard four months ago. Mm -hmm. And those updates, I think, had a large, played a significant role in people realizing that, wow, because I went to this MDT and I participated and I continue to participate, there are some very difficult clients who are really difficult to serve that are actually making progress.
0: So you had cases that because I was wondering, like as a as a process implementation, you know, anywhere, healthcare, other industries, you kind of need early wins to make something work. Right. Were there did you demonstrate the value by metrics or was it, you know, cases that suddenly the just like you said that 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 uh, people realized, well, there really is value to this and, and we need to put time and effort into making it
1: work. Yeah, I'm trying to pinpoint what the value is because we really, you have the case stuff that goes on and then you have the relationship, uh, networking that goes on and then you have, you have the visible conversion and our medical director, uh, at the emergency department is uh, a member obviously of the MDT. And he takes a look at all of the cases and tries to point out some of the complex medical stuff that also needs to be considered along with some of the behavioral health supports. But his visible conversion early on when he was first handed the MDT as an assignment, when he got that, he very admittedly said that, well, this is probably another one of these social services programs that's probably not gonna work for people that use the emergency department a lot. (laughs) Because those services, they come, And then they go, we refer out, we never hear back.
0: Mm. This is from the emergency department's perspective.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. From the emergency department's perspective. So the only way that we were going to affect some kind of change was to just follow through with what we said we would do for patients at the MDT. Mm -hmm. So Enrique, if you're bringing a difficult case that uh, involves um getting somebody connected to a literacy program, getting a parent reconnected with the Office of Children's Services, Child Protection, so you can resume your child visitation. Yeah. Some of those social kinds of things, educational kinds of things that um that I can maybe I have a connection to that world and I can get your your client, your patient connected with some of those things. And we have and it's <clears throat> so client-centered and so patient-centered that. They really do try to find out what matters to the client. Mm-hmm. And it may be that nothing else matters other than me seeing my kids. Nothing else matters. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna treat, you know, my own alcoholism or my own drug abuse or my own mental health condition until I see my children. And at the mm-hmm. same time, I spiral downhill and I end up in jail. Well, what really matters to me is more of the in in that kind of that social realm. Seeing Dr. Quimby. Kind of, I think he he's been sitting into the meetings and he has been thanking people for doing the work that they're doing. And I think that 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 is a little nugget, uh, really valuable. Uh, I think nugget for us to consider is is just the transformation of people's thoughts about how a system can work for patients. And you coming to work and you know you're probably not going to see this guy today because he's connected with outpatient services. And that's, and that's exactly it.
0: Wow, so this is, tell me if I'm envisioning this right, Ray, but uh, I, I mentioned earlier about the great work and the various resources and all these silos. What I'm envisioning, as you say in that, is that uh, maybe an emergency department silo, and, and I'm an ER doc, right? I, I see folks in the ER and I, I see that condition, but now suddenly I'm sitting at a table hearing about what's going on at a social service meeting and a law enforcement perspective, and an educational perspective. And I'm starting to piece together parts of the puzzle outside of just those walls of the ER. And and that's suddenly everyone working together to to make that puzzle work, as opposed to everyone just having one piece of a puzzle. Is that a a fair analogy?
1: Yeah, and I think that goes to what I refer to sometimes as uh, laying down the silos. Mm-hmm. So that they overlap instead of uh, instead of uh, you know a vertical position where you can't you can't engage with the silo because it's kind of created its own systems for its own self-preservation. That if you take the siloed you know approach, you know patients patients can't navigate a siloed approach, yeah. but patients can more easily navigate with help an approach where the silos are kind of laid down and that there's more of an overlap they don't really care who's providing the service it's just right. we need to get that service available to them more quickly and and with more connectivity to increase access to care uh and this could be uh also physical health problems as well it could be you know seeing a right. kidney specialist it could be seeing a heart specialist but i never wanted to go to those places because i was treated badly by the reception area or something you know and it could be a behavioral health issue and maybe there's some anxiety but our uh you know, a lot of these different agencies that take responsibility for those cases, they will walk them to those appointments, or they will wow. get them connected with somebody to walk them to um, the uh, some of those specialty appointments uh, for physical health or for mental health, uh, those kinds of things. And that's why we really feel like it's a it's a fairly well rounded and well represented MDT. Mm-hmm. It's got corrections. It's got emergency medicine. It's got substance abuse, it's got SMI, it's really mentally ill. It's got Alzheimer's, uh, you know, age-related disabilities, things like that. Uh, it's got the uh, first onset psychosis, it's got an FQHC that does dental, you know, and those are easily kind of accessed and maneuvered type systems that, uh, that seem to be the core of, uh, of the value of the, of the MDT.
0: Well, and as, so tell me if I'm thinking of this right, Ray, because I, as you mentioned, the laying down of silos, I envision these clients suddenly getting, you know, you're discussing a client in an MDT meeting and suddenly you're getting all these different perspectives and I I can totally see the care for that particular client improving in short order. But I also must imagine that for each of the resources in that room, suddenly you start recognizing the power of that particular resource what they can do in the community who to contact within that community resource when to contact them and so is it fair to think that now not only for that particular client but for the res- the community as a whole the resource communication starts getting better is that a, a fair assumption
1: yeah I, I think we've had some real gains I used to think that that you know the MDT we, you could bring a very difficult case. To the mdt or you could go to the mdt and you could offer your experience and your opinion your professional opinion about another person's case and then you get up and go but people don't get up and go after meetings they stick around and they talk and sometimes the last five minutes you know after the meeting is over that's a lot of the relationship is being built but what what i think is fair to say is that with that networking also comes some accountability. So if I was assigned the task at an MDT meeting to get a client connected to a certain service that I know I'm going back to the MDT next month and they're gonna want answers. And I'm gonna, so there's a certain, I think accountability for the agencies also and with that networking that you don't just talk and leave and then come back. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you talk, you leave, you do some work. You you return phone calls. You return emails. You get people into services, and then you come back to the MDT and then give an update. Uh, so we're finding a that, more. that has been a, that that that's been a real uh, benefit. It's kind of a it's kind of a level of accountability, I guess.
0: Yeah, and how do you? I mean, you have an, you have different agencies that all work under different rules. Um, how do you create a common uh, accountability? Do you have one entity that's running? the same entity running the mdt all the time
1: we yeah we do we have a um what i think is um accurately described as an administrator okay of the mdt so this isn't a person who handles cases and difficult clients and things like that they are simply an information and referral program and they have stepped up to administer the mdt so that the previous administration of that service can take a seat at the table, but not at the head of the table. Um, so they were, they, so there's a certain, there's a certain, uh, you know, format for presenting a case, you know, that you don't just go in there, you know, and complain about how this patient doesn't follow through. Uh, we want solutions, you know, to offer solutions, get, get feedback from others on kind of what to do next. Um, so there is a lot of, um, of, of that, um, and that
0: administrator is probably a, make sure throughout uh, your meeting once a month, maybe. And does that administrator then take on the task of checking in with the assignments uh, throughout the month and making sure they're getting done?
1: Yeah, yeah. They'll, uh, she will send out reminders. Okay. Hey, we you know two weeks ago we had this meeting. Just wanted to catch up. Anything I could do to support you in your work, kind of a thing. Them. Yeah, just kind of kind of following up and really making it kind of easy, you know, to to accomplish. These are, you know, inherently, you know, I know that the doctors at the emergency department, the nursing staff, and all of the all of the practitioners in that building know how difficult these folks are. Mm-hmm. You can also imagine the difficult nature outside of the hospital. It is to try to um, uh, provide those services. Connect. Getting people connected, even getting the release of information signed by a patient. Yeah. Even find does yeah. who doesn't sometimes. Who may go through the list of agencies and go, nope, I don't want to talk to Doctor Enrique. I don't yeah. like him. I don't want Ray there. I don't want OCS there or Child Protection Agency. But here you can talk. You can talk to the rest.
0: You know, I was. So, can, um, can I elaborate on that a little? Sorry for interrupting this, sure. because you brought up a real important issue. I believe. There is a federal law, and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's 42 CFR, the 42nd Code of Federal Regulation. That you're talking about very sensitive stuff, behavioral health, chemical dependency stuff. So the patient has to sign off to
1: to be presented in these meetings, right? Yeah, it's definitely a a voluntary uh, type of a you know review of cases, then and then uh, action taken, Um, and we can you you can have a variety of people, everybody everybody in the MDT has, including some police officers, have a, a blank copy of the uh, ROI. So they you could they could make a referral uh, right off the street, you know, could say, hey, you know, Johnny, I've been, you and I, we, we've been seeing each other five times a week, you're always hanging out here, you look like you need some help. You know, there's a group of people in town that could really help you if you get connected with them but I need your signature in order for me to talk to them about you. And they can make that referral. They won't go to the MDT, as I stated right. earlier, but they can say, hey, this person really needs help. I run into him all the time. I don't transport him to jail. I don't transport him to the hospital. But I people complain about him all the time. But I'm not arresting him because that's not really the appropriate service help. for that person. Yeah. So so, you have
0: various resources in the community that could – obtain that ROI for that MDT when they encounter that client.
1: Yes. Yes. And sometimes that's the, that's the issue too, is, you know, where, who encounters whom and then, um, you know, who has last seen, you know, Mr. Mm -hmm. Jones. And then they'll, you know, I mean, we live in a, in a large geographic area, but Mm -hmm. it still is a very, it's very much a small town. Matthew Borough is 110,000 people. It's still very much a small town. Okay. And that's the reason for the, the exclusive kind of membership, if you will. Right. Because wanted to stick with a manageable number of agencies that could do a manageable amount of work, but also knew the most people and knew the most agencies and the most providers and most services. Uh, But if you want to know who's living down under the bridge at the Matanuska river, I could go to an MDT and I could probably find out the right person to, uh, I could probably find out maybe not the people sitting at the table, but, but um, so anyway, we really wanted to kind of capitalize on that, on that um, kind of that personal knowledge
0: uh, of your, of your community. What what a, what a powerful group. And, and, and as we talk about clients coming in, how do you determine um, who can, be presented at the MDT. Can can any resource submit some uh, a client for review? Does is there only one particular resource that will submit someone? Does it have to be approved by a team?
1: No, it's been fairly wide open. Okay. Yeah. And
0: any resource can really refer for almost any reason if they feel Uh, it's
1: absolutely absolutely I love it. Yeah. I love it. We have, you know, we kind of thought that it would just be an MDT for people that use the emergency department five or more times in the last 12 months. Right. And we, we quickly learned that, you know, the term high utilizer is bigger than just the emergency department. It's just that the emergency department costs a lot of money. Those visits are very expensive. So that's where we really wanted to start with that to affect some uh, cost neutrality or at least some, some slowing down on the growth, you know, of that um, of those Medicaid expenditures, largely at, um, from the high utilizers of the emergency. So, if department. I'm hearing
0: correctly, that the, the the MDT kind of started around high ER utilizers, but has expanded into, um, you know, varying community high resource uses.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely.
0: Now, I know some of the information that you know we talked about 42 CFR is sensitive stuff that you're you're dealing with a lot of uh, entities that perhaps haven't worked together before until they've, they've gotten into this MDT. Did you early on or even continued over time, find uh, struggles with agencies concerned about sharing information with each other? And, and how might you have tackled that?
1: Yeah. So we don't want to um, put anybody in a position that is uh, unprofessional uh, or certainly against law. Um, But we do wanna encourage people as they consider joining the MDT or participating in the MDT to the greatest extent possible that that they really, um, if you're uncomfortable sharing information, then we don't expect at all that you share it. Uh, Even if it's something that I think you can probably share legally, uh, if you feel uncomfortable, we everybody respects that. It's kind of a consensus that nobody's going to push kind of one another, and right. Right. and it has really been that has been really good because we laid that groundwork early about you know if you're uncomfortable, just say so, and we will we will make that go away because we really wanted the participation, and we really wanted the the. The person, so there might be a substance use provider who sits at the table and is getting, uh, their their client is being talked about because they're very heavily involved in a lot of other systems and stuff too. And, um, you know, just for that SUD provider, substance use disorder provider, just to listen to the conversation about the other people that this person's involved with. That they may not have known about yeah it may not have known about yeah i had no. no idea that he's been in jail for 30 days right i had no idea he has a therapeutic court case now and has it has a uh, you know a court manager over there for somebody that they're accountable to um so really it's a place sometimes then to just sit and listen you can sit and listen to uh, and get information on people that uh, have been clients or former clients
0: wow and I, the, the power that, that i mean you must have individuals working in the community 20 20- 25, 30 years doing great work, and suddenly they're learning about all these additional resources and, and relationships. I, I can't imagine the power that that creates within the community of care.
1: Yeah, you know, and, in, in, you know, whether you're new to kind of this industry or whether you've been in it 30 years, you know, there still is a lot of hope for doing things differently and doing things better for client success there really is there, there there's ample opportunity and for some people to kind of sit back and kind of wait it out thinking well this will never really get legs and move well we just we just finished year four you know wow. and we're not and we're not slowing down as a matter of fact we've got a pretty exciting immediate future of of growth uh, ahead of us and things and some 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 folks just kind of institutionally don't believe that the system is going to change. Mm-hmm. And if, and that's the kind of belief that we're trying to kind of demystify a little yeah. bit. We're really trying to, to show that clients can experience better success more quickly if agencies are working and talking together about, um, about the services that they provide. And, uh, you know, it's not all just about cost savings either. We do right. want to increase primary care visits we do want to increase specialty care business. We want to increase intensive outpatient business. We want to increase groups. We want to increase all of that stuff. Because what that means is they're going from a very expensive system that's not built to deal with their problems right. to a system that is built to deal with their problems. That's a cheaper system, oh, by the way. So,
0: Do you have a report card or some type of scorecard that goes out to the community with some of the metrics that have come out?
1: We really uh, haven't advanced that, um, but we, in our work here recently with the adoption of the crisis now model of behavioral right. health crisis intervention, that that is looming on the horizon uh, quite large, and we're we're, we're going to probably tie what you just described as metrics and a scorecard yeah. to that system, and I think that we're going to be able because the MDT is going to be we we're, we're situate in the MDT to help support the crisis network. Wow. I love it. Yeah. You know,
0: when, so you, you said you're four years plus into it now, right? When did you know, when did you have that gestalt that, you know, this is going to work? This is, and, and was there something particular that that made you realize, yeah, we're on to something here? Um, uh, Cause you know, you took a stab at this thing, not knowing whether it was going to be a good thing or
1: not. I think um Just like with the Crisis Intervention Team Coalition, Mm -hmm. watching generations of people come and go in the same position with the same provider and looking back on the original people that were involved that are no longer involved because they've retired, they've moved on, and the bench, so to speak, that they built for, for their other employees to take over. That's when I knew that wow, you could very easily just drop the ball and say, "Hey, we're under new management. We're no longer going to do that empty thing." Right, right. If we got plenty of clients, they got plenty of billable services. We don't really need to talk to anybody else. And it, you, you know, you could have managers that come in and do that, but we have not experienced that. We've just had people who are saying, are calling and saying, "Hey, you know." we're having this change in our organization. I'm going to switch my MDT person to this person instead of this person. So that's when I kind of knew, and it, and that of course takes place over time, but right. that's when I kind of figured that this could be part of something that these agencies, that's just the expectation of the position when you're like a clinical director, or if you're, um, you know, maybe a senior counselor or something like that in your agency that, or maybe you're just, you know, have a, um administrative position in your agency, we welcome those folks too because you're representing the agency and you can you can take that information back to that agency. So we really do try to encourage all kinds of levels of participation uh with doing that. But it wasn't one day I woke up and go, man, that thing's got hit. That's just gonna yeah, work forever. And uh, a
0: slow growth of it's, uh, just,
1: it's just a slow kind of maturation. I and, love it. And then and then some of the The folks that have been there a long time and been in their positions a long time are still coming back. I asked them for a favor for two hours, two hours a month, four years ago, and they're still, they can't miss an MDT meeting. You
0: know, when I've had a chance to talk to Dr. Quimby, I think you'll say the same thing. He's thinking, well, this is one of the best things that's happened for the emergency department since sliced bread, kind of, isn't that a a fair statement?
1: Yeah, Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know,
0: there's so much. So I could go on forever. and I know we're running a little short on time here. Let me ask you some particulars. And then if anyone in our audience has more details they'd like to know about, could, uh, you know, could they reach out to us and maybe I, I can uh, put them in touch with you or we can go into more details later. But uh, th- these are monthly meetings, right? Is it they go on for, what would you say, a couple of hours once, once a month?
1: They are two hours once a month.
0: Two hours once a month. And is there, there's kind of a formal, how many patients do you think they get through uh, on any given meeting?
1: They are averaging four or five patients per month.
0: Okay. So Plus, someone must submit them, right? They, they submit yep. and get approval. Who's going to come in? Okay. Right. And then there's and then, a lot of
1: work. Go ahead. Yeah. And then, and then, um, then there's time in, in the agenda also for uh, reviewing the, the work decided upon the last meeting.
0: I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, there's there's stuff going on in the month, and then you report out yeah. on on the previous report. So, right. So they could on that. any
1: given any given you know uh, monthly meeting, they could be discussing eight to ten clients.
0: For 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 communities that are considering implementing an MDT, are there any particular must do's, or are there any pitfalls to avoid that you'd say be particularly concerned about this?
1: Um, I guess, I guess to really um, find find places where MDT work is already happening. And, you mean, and other and like mean, other communities. Uh, no, in the community in you your own, own community. Yeah, that, so, you're, so if you're you're working as an ER doc in your community, and you really want to stop the cycle of repeat visitors to the emergency department, the mm-hmm. ones that are uh, just really don't need to be cycling through. Um, w- so where where is MDT work currently happening? And to search and try to find places where people are talking to each other and would those two people invite a third person in?
0: Well, so maybe so, like an opioid bridge, a community that has an opioid bridge program might be a good example. And do we expand be. beyond?
1: Got it, could got be. It. And uh, you know, the MDT concept is alive and well, of course, in in physical healthcare. Because um, there's all, and then social work sometimes is just an add-on or a seat right. on that MDT. Right. This is really flipped. This is totally flipped. It's we have one seat for a medical person. Wow. Everybody else is in non-medical.
0: Is is in the
1: behavioral. We would like to substance. have more medical. As a matter of fact, we'd like to have more primary care. Uh, right. Individual primary care physicians, but that's really hard to do. But I, I guess that my advice would be to look for look for where you're communicating already and try to build on that instead of trying to plop down an MDT and it's like, well, what is this? And you know, and then having people look at what does the release of information look like right now. Got it. And then could that be, or does that need to be enhanced? I remember uh, during that first year building MDT, uh, offering up a sample ROI release of information that we wanted to use. And just about every provider had to run by their attorney. Their own is, internal attorney, right? That their must own internal. <laughs> oh, and it just took forever. It was just, it was just, it was maddening. It just was, it was really maddening. And 42 CFR came up and HIPAA yeah. and everything else, all good stuff. But you have to be able to navigate that stuff. It's surprising the networking though, that you can do without talking about a particular diagnosis or a particular treatment um, you know methodology and, and things like that so i love it, it it can't be done
0: i love it so so before we wrap up i want to find out you know where do you see where's the mdt in matsu going the next 2 five, ten years what's your what's your future look like
1: well uh, it's interesting cuz two other mdts have been formed in our community just within the last year so we now wow. have three and We're working together or working separately. Well, it's very interesting. This, this, uh, this uh, podcast is very timely because it was just this week that we brought two MDTs together. I love it. Fed them lunch. And we just put it on the whiteboard. What is it you guys do? And what is it you guys do? And Dr. Quimby stopped us halfway through the meeting and said, Hey, wait a minute. We got to be working together, so that it was it 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 was like that. It reached that the top of the hill, and then just it just people then just were. Well, how could we do that? How could we work together better? This other MDT had kind of formed out of um, a special project by uh, by uh, uh, another uh, statewide group, but they did it here in Matsu because of our success. In working together, and it focuses around substance use and detox, and it's got a primary care agency on it. It's got the detox providers and it's got some SUD providers. They don't do a lot of mental health and a lot mm-hmm. of social type of connections, but what they do do is a lot of uh, peer support and peer navigation, and do a lot of recovery type placement and that in that type of work. So we are really looking forward to uh, potentially merging these two uh, these two groups to really better serve a wide variety of uh, of clients
0: wow so and even if you it's not coalescing into one agency you still you, you each have a seat at each other's table you're each dialoguing about what each other's doing and there's power in that even if yeah. they're not completely aligned
1: yeah, we have we have three members of our MDT that are also members of the other MDT. Wow! So they're they're kind of going back and forth, and uh, I think we I think we laid some pretty good groundwork the other day uh, for us to have some discussions and and really doing that all in kind of in terms of how are we going to prepare to serve the mobile crisis teams that are going to go out with the police, and how are we going to support the crisis stabilization facilities, both the 23-hour recliner program and the short-term residential. How are we going to support those behavioral health clients that go in and out of those services constantly? How do we get them spun off into an MDT and get them connected to the community as well? Wow,
0: wow, that's what
1: we're trying to do. We have to support. We've got to support this 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 uh, this uh, community uh, response to behavioral health.
0: I, I love that right so uh we're we're here at the end I could keep on going but um for for our listeners that are interested in learning more I mean you've been paving new grounds a trailblazer in this and, I, and I'm so blessed to have known you for a few years in the midst of this uh is there a way agencies individuals that want to learn more um, could could? hear more about the Matsu experience? Is there a website for the HUB program, for the, the Health Foundation? Um, how might our in, our listeners now wanna learn more, kind of get, get some deeper insight? And we're happy to post anything on our <coughs> podcast
1: if there's a, a website as well. Yeah, and I think uh, going to healthymatsu.org, uh, the Matsu Health Foundation website, We are a 501c3 that is connected to a for-profit hospital. We are the original Valley Hospital Association. And on that website, you can look at the different focus areas that we fund and the Crisis Intervention Team Coalition and many, many other behavioral health projects uh, that we, (coughs) pardon me, uh, have supported over the years um, are all detailed in there. There's, There's some video clips on that website as well. Love it. You can go to a uh, links, L I N K S. Dot org. And links.org is the nonprofit agency that runs the high utilizer Matt Sue program. Okay. So they provide the care coordination for the high utilizers of the emergency department. And there are, I believe there are some reports there that can be viewed and some more detail about those types of services. The MDT uh itself now does not have its its own kind of um MTT used to be housed in links but now it's housed in in connect matsu and connect matsu is part of the health uh, program of the Matsu health foundation health foundation so okay. you can go to that go to the website be ours and you
0: had said healthy matsu, M-A-T-S-U
1: dot org. is that right that's correct okay matsu is short for Matanuska susitna which are uh, two uh, Native Alaskan names for two major rivers that run through our area. Right. I love it.
0: And in a beautiful area at that, my goodness, some of the most beautiful area in our, in our country. Um, Ray, we could go on. I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your insight, for, for sharing the work you do. You've been a trailblazer in this. And I, like I said, I've been blessed to, to watch the work you're doing. Thank you for sharing. Uh, any final words of wisdom you might want to offer?
1: oh i don't know you know with this kind of work it's it's really is a marathon um yeah change change takes a long time and people have preconceived notions about the way things are and that they'll never change yeah and i didn't really subscribe to all of that i just i just wanted to really um do some things different to see if we could affect some kind of change and for uh patient health i mean the the, the, you know the mission of the Matsu health foundation is to do all these projects and all of these initiatives to I- increase you know the health of the population in the Matsu borough in the mm-hmm. and Matsu um, area and getting folks the behavioral health intervention they need at the time that they need it is is like job one in 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 my particular focus area. But I think that many communities of any size they have the components that you and I have been talking about. Um, Unless you're a very very small town, but if you're, you know, a town like Everett, Washington, you have all those components. Right. You, you've got them there. But how do they communicate and uh, and work together and see and then reap the benefits over time on that? Yeah. So I'd be more than happy to talk to anybody about uh, uh, more detail about the work that we did here in Matsue.
0: Thank you, and thank you for calling out Everett, Washington, my 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 hometown there for <laughs> for having done some of this work too, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a blessing to talk to you. I thank you for sharing for with our audience. Uh, keep up the great work. And, and for our listeners, until next month.